There's just so much more to hear. Download our podcasts at DubaiEye1038.com. This is The Grill, live from Dubai I-103.8, in association with our friends from Barastia. Thanks to all the team at Barasti, uh, Dan, Lamridia, Mina, Siahi, uh, for all the support, Dan, the years, and the continued support as well. For good reason, we can't be broadcasting live from there as part of the social distancing programme, which is in place across Dubai, across the UAE, and much further afield. But thanks very much indeed to Phil and all the team uh, for the kind words. I was in touch with them a little earlier on uh, to see what was going on down at the venues not a huge amount so an opportunity for us to uh, show a bit of support uh, to all the organizations all the industries all the businesses that we rely on so heavily throughout the course of our day-to-day lives when the normal norm is about the new norm though uh, well a lot of us getting used to it and part of that new norm is the lack of live sport thankfully though no shortage of talking points when it comes to the world of sport uh, we're with you between now and nine o'clock to bring you bang up to date with all the latest from the world of sport in terms of news views some great interviews uh, and of course your thoughts so please do join the conversation text me on 4001 have your say uh, online at dubai i 38 fm at dubai i sports or equally you can get in touch by giving us a call 048715500 uh, equally we will of course be addressing all the latest developing news as you just heard there from the live press briefing courtesy of the uae authorities there have been a few changes, a few developments, a few announcements in the last few moments with regards to coronavirus spread and COVID-19, the battle against it. We'll bring you up to date with that information and answer a few of your questions in the next few moments and, of course, throughout the next three hours. Keep it locked here on Dubai I-103.8 for all the latest when it comes to sport and the news on the coronavirus. Uh, this is The Grill with you through until well, right about nine o'clock this evening. You're listening to The Grill, more of the biggest sports stories now on Dubai I 103.8 Let's just tackle that uh, breaking news coming through from this evening's press briefing courtesy of uh, the ministries that have come together to bring everyone up to date with the latest uh, in the national disinfection program. Uh, the top line is coming out of that press briefing just a few minutes ago which was brought to you courtesy of uh, our friends at Dubai One TV right here live on Dubai I 103.8 something hopefully we'll do more of in the coming days. Uh, news coming from the press briefing that there have been another 63 new cases of COVID-19 announced in the last 24 hours as confirmation of 63 new cases, taking the total of confirmed cases now here in the UAE to 468. On the back of that news, uh, the Ministry of Health, uh, the Ministry of Prevention, uh, Health and Prevention, and of course uh, all the other ministries that were part of that press briefing, uh, reassuring all of the viewers, uh, all of the listeners, that uh, everything is being done to care for all of those confirmed cases. Uh, a spike in the number of uh, recovering cases as well, which has been good news over the last 48 hours, with several cases being discharged from hospital uh, and given the all clear. Uh, and uh, reassuring every single citizen and resident alike that everything is being done to prevent the spread of the uh, coronavirus. To that end, uh, they have praised everyone for their uh, adoption of the hashtag stay home program. That's hashtag stay home. And to the end, after the success of the first two nights, obviously tonight is the third night of the disinfection program. Confirmation from the ministries, confirmation from the authorities that the national disinfection program will continue through until next Saturday night into next Sunday morning. So that means that from 8pm to 6 a.m. Uh, every night throughout the week, all the way through to next Saturday evening, uh, you will be asked to stay home. If you can stay home uh, during the day, if there is no need for you to be going into the office, uh, then we again ask you please to stay home and do your bit. It is the social distancing uh, which, or, or physical distancing as was mentioned by the Minister there, which is making the difference at the moment, the fight against coronavirus. So please do stay home if you can. Uh, an extension of the disinfection programme all the way through until next Saturday and also confirmation that uh, Emirati nationals are still abroad and stuck abroad in various countries have all been contacted uh, by the Ministry of Foreign Affairs uh, with their return to the UAE being facilitated and finalised as we speak. 
More details on the fight against COVID-19. More details uh, on, of course, all the latest news right here on Dubai Eye. This is The Grill. Join the conversation. Text 4001 or message us for free on the Dubai Eye app. Two men who are helping to fight that fight. Two men who are helping to spread the word out there of the stay-home mantra, the mandate of why uh, it might not seem a huge amount to you, but it can make such a difference. Are the two men alongside me over the next three hours? Chris McCarty, Robbie Greenfield, uh, the two teams behind Offscript are with us here in studio to talk things sport. But also, fellas, it would be remiss of us not, of course, to address the breaking news and the developing news lines as well as the fight against COVID-19. It's a sensible one, Tom. Very good evening to you. Very good evening to our listeners. And it it is a sensible one. Of course, the fight is ongoing. 63 new cases over the course of the past 24 hours. The authorities are getting a handle on this. For that, there is no doubt. But it is vitally, vitally important. We said so last week. We're not being preachy in all of this. You've just got to stay home. Think of your neighbour. Think of your neighbours and all of this. Because whilst it might not affect you directly, it does affect the wider community. So if you're listening, stay at home, please. Just give it another few weeks. We can get this behind us and then we can get some live sport back, please. Uh, flatten the curve uh, is one of the hashtags that's doing the rounds. Hashtag stay at home. How's your week at home been, Robbie Greenfield? Yeah, just settling into it, to be honest. I've quite enjoyed myself, really. <laughs> I, I, I kind of, I've enjoyed being completely lazy and not doing too much. And uh, I did manage to do an inside workout um, for all of about 15 minutes, which enabled <laughs> me to eat like a pig for the rest of the day. So, um, yeah, I'm not sure the, the balancing act of burning calories versus consuming calories has quite matched up yet. But, yeah, I mean, I think uh, along with Chris's message just then, I mean, the more extreme we're prepared to be in the early yeah. stages, the less this is going to drag on for. I think that's really the key point. The more we can buckle down and actually follow people's orders and authorities' advices and, and just stick to the guidelines and do it to the absolute letter and not, not to stray whatsoever from what people are saying, what the experts are saying, then the faster life can return to some semblance of normality because I feel like we're in the Big Brother house. I feel this is week two, no sport. It Chris is. McCarty has entered the diary room yeah. and he's crying. He is crying. He is crying in the diary room. I think you're so right as well. One thing that's really struck me about this, this, this whole experience in recent weeks is, you know, quite often we sit here and we talk about the fact that weather forecasters get the forecast wrong or that uh, experts and eggheads in certain industries get their, 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 their predictions and their forecasts wrong. Uh, the health officials have been telling us what's going to happen for quite a long time now. They've been talking about the peaks, they've been talking about the curves, they've been talking about what is going to come next. Um, um, some countries have heeded that advice, other countries have been slow to heed that advice, but it's not like we haven't been warned. No, no, indeed. And, and we know what's happening elsewhere. So, you know, you look at a country which, for, for, from my point of view, the UAE, it's a small population. It's, it's relatively more straightforward to, to live in a contained environment than it would be, for example, in maybe a European country where there's a much more diverse population, where there's a much, where, where there's a much older population as yeah. well. And I think that's what we've seen in Europe. Places like Italy and Spain have just been not caught off guard per se but as you say the measures were not brought in strictly enough the horse had already bolted by mm. the time that the measures had been brought in and now you get to a point where that their health systems just get overwhelmed by what's going on and that's the point that they've reached at the moment it's it's awfully sad to see um it, it's yeah i mean every country is battling this i think almost every country on the planet i think 150 countries now of the what 205 yeah. on this planet have have suffered an outbreak of some form of the coronavirus so i think the uae can Comparatively speaking, is in a good spot, provided that people yeah. are, are wary to it. I've seen videos. I've seen individuals who have actually got the coronavirus. They've been, I guess, um, mindful enough to, to to post videos talking about their experience and and sharing those experiences with. And, and honestly, this is not something that you want to get exposed well, to. It really spoke, is not. You spoke to Rory Lawson, and we'll hear from him a little later in this show. Rory Lawson, former scrum half. I take it back to sport. Former scrum half of Scotland rugby union side. Former. 
Newcastle, Edinburgh as well, Gloucester rugby player. Here's a man fit as a fiddle, fit as a butcher's dog is Rory Lawson, not out of his 30s yet and he was on the show on off script this past week, we'll hear from him a little later so if, you know, if people like that are getting it it shows that this illness, this virus it does not discriminate so again we reiterate, stay at home stick to the guidelines that have been posted because we have seen from other countries around the globe that have been a little bit slow on the uptake, a little slow in, in implementing their measures that if we don't do this then it could get a lot worse so if we continue to stick with what the authorities are saying then as Robbie rightly says the, the sun will shine again rather quickly uh, Thank you very much indeed for your text messages a lot of questions coming through uh, Anna saying they didn't address some of the questions that need to be addressed, other people wanting to know whether there is a recording yet, yeah. get yourself on to the official uh, media uh, sites, the Dubai Media Office and the WAM Media Office uh, both of those will be providing recordings of the press conference and of course we'll do all we can to get recordings for you right here on Dubai I uh, Uh, We talked about the fact that there isn't a single person, there isn't a single industry, there ain't a single country hardly uh, out there that has has not been affected by COVID-19. That's prompted a huge response from a number of of influential individuals, none more so than in the world of sport. Certain Jurgen Klopp, he's got a few things on his (laughs) mind at the moment, but took the opportunity to, of course, ask everybody to stay home and stay safe. Myself... um the staff and all the players of LFC would like to take this opportunity to deliver um, a message to say thank you to all the incredible people who work in the health services, so all the health workers, if you want, out there. Um, it's unbelievable what you are doing, and um, on behalf of all of us from LFC, I would like to say thank you, or how we say would say in Germany, not sure what that means in German, but I'm sure it's good nonetheless. Um, what do we reckon? A genuine bird or was that a canned bird? I think it was there? a genuine bird. I wonder if he was maybe filming that in his uh, back garden. I haven't seen the video myself. It was obviously done at home. Jürgen would have got the missus or himself to do that video, but it is a great message. I mean, there's a manager who's got an awful lot on his mind, but it puts <laughs> into perspective sport, isn't it? We are still discussing, Robbie and I were discussing it off air a few moments ago about do Liverpool win the title? Do we care? Let me put that out there. Yeah, 4 0 one Robbie's just scrunched up his face. Clearly he does care. Well, if we care about the next season, then we care about whether they win the title or not. It's as simple as that. You can't, the two are not... Uh, what's the word? Mutually exclusive. Mutually exclusive. There you go, Chris. That, You've saved me. There you. Mutually exclusive. Yeah. If we're going to care about the next season, then we care about the plight of Liverpool Football Club. I'm sorry. You can't just say that it's unfair to, to, to play cram games in I know Piers Morgan and Gary Neville have had a spat <laughs> and I don't want to get I don't want to get up on my high horse too early on this show we're only just getting started but I'm sorry it's unfair on Liverpool it is absolutely criminally unfair on Liverpool to scrub this season because if you are intending on having the next season unless you want to scrub football entirely you've got to honour the commitment to finish this season even if it's January of next year yeah and then make plans for the next season Interesting, Thomas. Yeah. Four zero because zero why, one. why should the next season pr- be prioritised over this one? Well, unfortunately, it will be. You know why? Money. Money. Absolutely. Yeah, there you go. Well, that's, that's charming, isn't it? Yeah. In this time where we're supposed to wake up to the commercial realities, where we're supposed to learn something from what's happened, then we have to honour the commitment of what's gone on so far this season. How can Liverpool, two games away from the title, be denied that historic moment. And it's the same for I, Leeds, I'm not a Liverpool fan. I'm just, I'm just saying that anyone claiming the otherwise is arguing from a complete position of self-interest. And they're, they're under, under some austerity of piety. Piers Morgan jumps up on his high horse. Well, of course he'd be saying that. Arsenal have had a wretched season. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Arsenal would profit, though, if the season was scrubbed. I'd love to see if Piers Morgan would be saying exactly what he's saying now if Arsenal were two games away from the title. (laughs) I think not. Mm. Uh, Another man who's been having his say on the fight against coronavirus, a man who's got, uh, well, he's been asked to take a 25% pay cut by the RFU. Eddie Jones, uh, the coach of the England rugby team. There's interesting comments coming through from a couple of his England rugby players midweek saying, yeah, well, Eddie should. Eddie hasn't really commented on his pay cut as yet, but he has taken the opportunity uh, just to send his note of reassurance uh, to all his fans uh, and, of course, followers. just wanted to send a message to all the, the rugby community in England. It's obviously a difficult time at the moment, uh, but the rugby clubs are such an important part of, of life uh, that it's important that the clubs 
keep maintaining their responsibility in the community. Uh, rugby's always been a game about teamwork and at the moment teamwork's so important for the nation. Um, so make sure you keep your discipline up. Um, follow the head coach at the moment, which is Boris Johnson. Um, so keep your discipline, keep your social distance. Uh, keep working on, for the players, keep working on your game. Uh, you can still improve your game at this time. You can set up a gym at home. You can do some training in the backyard. You can practice your skills, get your parents to help you. And to the parents, I know it's a hard time for you. Um, I was down in Horsham last week and the father was saying that uh, he had to tell his son that rugby training's no longer on. So it's a difficult time, but keep positive because we'll get out of this, we'll beat this virus and uh, rugby will commence. So keep your spirits up. We're supporting you and keep supporting England. Cheers. So is it a thing? Do you have to have birds tweeting behind you whilst you give these messages? <laughs> I think so. Is it? Is it is well, it's it? springtime in the UK. Springtime in the UK. Does the it, birds does... are not aware of what's going on. <laughs> They're gives just us... cracking on as normal. <laughs> gives us that hope of regeneration. Rebirth. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. That's Fingers idea, crossed. A new chapter. Uh, spring is just around, is in the air, as they say. Uh, one man who will be on air in a few minutes' time is Nick Heath. Who's Nick Heath? Nick Heath has gone viral is what he is. He's a commentator. Predominantly rugby union is his game. And he has just got a new legion of fans why because he's taken the downturn he's taken the fact that there's not much live sport and he's going to make ends meet somehow so what's he done he's taken to the streets when it's safe to do so over there in the UK he's gone out and he's well he's just commentated well I think that was pre-lockdown that it he took was, to the streets I think it was pre-lockdown <laughs> so I'm not sure you'll be interested right. to find out how he's coping now we'll find out where he got his material from but essentially Nick Heath is a sports commentator extraordinaire uh, commentator extraordinaire Tom who has started commentating on everyday things phenomenal if you've not checked this out during this next ad break you've got to check it out you've got to go to Nick Heath Spore on Twitter on his Instagram watch some of these and we're going to be talking to the man himself shortly uh, we will indeed and just to give you a flavour of what he's up to uh, Chris said yeah he takes the ordinary some might even say banal and turns it into something completely different like a zebra crossing, maybe. Crossroad dash, light turns to red. We wait for the beats. There they are now then. JD Sportsman, he's got a decent start. Leggings on the outside. Oh, JD Sportsman's been distracted over the shoulder. And Leggings is going to get there. Oh, she does it again. Three titles in three days. Off past Vegas Gold for the lap of honour. Victorious. You're listening to The Grill on Dubai I 103.8. We will, of course, be recognising Earth Hour this evening at 8.30 and we implore each and every one of you to do exactly the same. Turn off your lights at 8.30 this evening and have a little think about our place on planet Earth as uh, we do our bit for sustainability uh, on this good planet. Uh, thanks so much indeed to Shah for your text message. We'll get onto that in just a few moments' time. Not, though, before we get to our first guest of the evening. And whilst there might not be a huge amount of live sport out there at the moment... He certainly found some. You join me live in a popular high street discount clothing store. This chap hoping to get a personal best in the find a fashion bargain steeplechase. But this is one of the trickiest events in life because, of course, he's probably going to have to put up with, well, a dodgy zip, some curious stitching, certainly some odd proportions, something in maybe, I think, there. Does he like it? Oh, oh, it's got a whacking great big logo in the middle of it. Will he make do? Will he decide to go with it? Yes, it looks like he will. He will, he will, and regret it later. Chris McCarty, I'm sure you, like uh, me, have been inundated with these videos over oh, the last few days. just absolutely brilliant. I've seen so many of them flood my Twitter, flood my Instagram as well, and I'm delighted to say that the man behind the voice, if you will, is on the phone right now. Nick Heath, sports commentator, journalist, as I say, predominantly in the world of rugby union, but he has gone viral. He is the voice of hashtag life commentary, and I'm delighted to say that Nick joins us live on the live now, very good afternoon to you, Nick. Afternoon, Chris. Evening to you guys. How are you? Brilliant, Nick. Absolutely brilliant. And thank you for spending the time to have a little natter with us. And, well, your life's changed in the last week or two for more ways than one. <laughs> yeah, just a little bit. Um, what, was, uh, what started out as uh, being a little bit bored, seeing the sporting engagements disappearing off the calendar as a freelance broadcaster, beginning to wonder where the next gig was going to come from um, and, and when life will return to normal. So, yeah, I just thought I'd... I'd put a little silly video or two out, bring back a kind of rehashed uh, parody commentary voice that I used to do to entertain <laughs> my mates a few years ago, and maybe a handful of people will like it. Uh, will we'll like it. And then, yeah, sort of going more viral than COVID uh, <laughs> means that... Uh, 
I went from 15,000 followers about 10 days ago to uh, now 110,000. Wow. It has been absolutely bonkers. Wow, Nick. It's amazing. And given the popularity of it, do you feel like that when sport finally does resume, your <laughs> talents may still be called for to be haunting the supermarket aisles and the, the shopping centres of the UK? <laughs> Well, it's amazing how many people have been in touch, women particularly, I have to say, that have said, I don't really do sport, but I could do this. Um, so uh, so, so maybe, there's a, maybe there's a market for it. I, I'm also slightly concerned that actually if I get too well known for doing you know, silly commentary, that actually my former producers and directors <laughs> that have worked with me on, on main broadcasts won't be able to take me seriously again. So it's, it's going to be a fine balance, I think. <laughs> Have you trademarked it? Because I would imagine a lot of copycat commentators, I think Chris and I certainly looked at it and thought, oh, wish I'd thought of that, because it's <laughs> absolutely brilliant what you're doing. Has it been patented? You. Have you protected against copycat <laughs> commentators out there? No, I mean, I don't necessarily think it's, I don't know, the first time. I think probably bits like this have been done by Python or, or people in the past. Yeah. I'm not really sure. It, it certainly didn't occur to me as, oh, my God, I've had an amazingly original idea. I just thought, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd wheel it out. Um, what was funny is I was, I was interviewing um, the BBC's Andrew Cotter. Um, well, he's freelance now, actually, but, but, you know, does so much of his work on the BBC. Brilliant Scottish voice himself. Um, and uh, I, I have a, a podcast called Q Commentator, which is a sort of deep dive with, with some great sporting voices on how and why they do what they do. And it, it's funny that on the one hand, I've, I sort of get very studious and into that side of it with people like Barry Davis and, and Miles Harrison and, and Bob Ballard and people like that, whilst at the same time I then end up going viral for doing something completely <laughs> ham and over the top in terms of commentary. But, but Andrew said to me, um, he goes, oh, he goes, it's funny, I, I actually did a video of my two Labradors eating their dinner and, and then I saw you put all your stuff out and I thought, oh, it's going to be very difficult for me to put what I've got out now because cause Nick's done that. Um, and he did put it out yesterday, I think. I think it's had five million views. Wow. Uh, and uh, I mean, you know, he, he he's a consummate broadcaster himself, and it's it's very funny as well. It's his it's his golden and his black labs both eating their dinner, and he just commentates them right down to the wire as to who finishes their bowl first. That's where uh, we're at. Uh, um, yeah, exactly. It's it's completely taking on. I think someone's commented on it to suggest that actually that's normally the size of a free to air audience <laughs> during a Six Nations game. <laughs> <laughs> we're now we're now actually starting to compare it to real life ratings. It's amazing, Nick, is what it is. Listen, how many have you done? Give us a bit of an insight into how many you've done and what's proven to be the most popular one out of all that you have produced. I think we're probably at uh, around about a dozen, maybe a baker's dozen, something like that. Yeah, 12 or 13, I think, by now. Um, and a lot of people seem to seem to sort of love the the crossroads one that I did, people crossing the road. I think the, the fact that you've got a, tra- a traffic light changing and a starting beat where it almost <laughs> makes it like, like the start of a race. Um, the one you played there, actually, is uh, is one of my favourites because it's probably one of the rare ones where I've allowed myself a slightly satirical dig um, at a shop like TK Maxx. So ultimately, <laughs> it, it, it might be... It might be well known as a discount store, but that's largely because the clothes are ill-fitting, something doesn't work, or there's a wacky great logo in the middle of it. So um, I've, I've allowed myself a bit of social comment there. Um, so yeah, they, they've been they've been fun to do. Lockdown is making it ever more challenging to work out where where the next clip will come from. Um, I've got people sending me tons and tons and tons via via direct message and stuff like, "Here's my nephew running around the garden with a football," and and here's my dad playing table tennis and all this kind of stuff. But people sort of seem to be missing the fact that that actually, if it starts to look like actual sports, that's sort of not what this is yeah. all about. Well, Nick, take a little little listen to this clip from I believe you call this the middle class arena, and tell us after it's finished playing whether there was any satirical digs in this one will you join me live at middle class arena ollie and sally o'connell trolley and basket southeast halloumi buying champions last year but work to do and this is andy and alison davis they've got some beef probably best we cut away now then sue wilson here such a tricky event this the crudite conundrum gone with a slab of pate there that's a safe choice but so many hummuses in the modern game um i think we're going to see a refusal here <laughs> <laughs> Nick, can I ask? Did you, brilliant. Do you commentate on these lives? So ridiculous. Oh, so good. Ridiculous, <laughs> yes, but brilliant also. Do you commentate them live, or are you filming them and bringing them back to the house? Uh, the first few I, I did live. Um, the the, the um, two lonely blokes in a park. I've managed to do 
um, and the uh, 4x4 International Push Chair Formation uh, <laughs> final I also did. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, a few of them, you're sort of too close to people. Um, you don't want to really be screaming about them over their shoulders. So, yeah, a few of them have been done done afterwards. But it's, it's, a, it's a pretty quick process, to be honest, because I've, I've sort of done this silly character who I've, turned, I've, I've called Nicholas Fumble uh, for about 15 years, 15, 20 years to, to my mate. I had, a, I had a mate message me from Australia who I, I was at school with and, uh, and you know, I'm in my early 40s now and he said, who knew that uh, that the, that stupid voice you used to do after a few beers on a Saturday night while we were playing PlayStation would suddenly make you a global success? <laughs> um, so, uh, so yeah, it's uh, it's been been a fun ride. Look on the bright side, Nick. With social distancing rules not allowing anyone to come within six feet of you, you're going to be safe from anyone who gets annoyed at your commentary. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Well, I've tried to film them so that you know I'm just enough away that you can't really see people's faces, that kind of thing. Because ultimately, you know, it's not about people being the butt of the joke. It, it's about this sort of character being. Being the guy that's bringing you the sort of sporting cadence and all of the cliches that go with it, um, and, and just just sort of making you feel like there's sport going on because your brain's telling you there must be from what you're hearing, when actually, uh, you know, it's just some pigeons <laughs> dotting about the street. In all seriousness, though, Nick, the, the day job for you predominantly, I said it at the top, is rugby union. I mean, give us your professional opinion on where we're at. Obviously, COVID nineteen coronavirus. It's very difficult to predict what the future. I mean, it's very difficult to what to predict what will happen tomorrow let alone the coming months from a rugby union perspective mm. you fear for its future uh, I think certainly a lot of the clubs are, are finding it very difficult um, I think what we're all learning is is how hand-to-mouth a lot of sport has been mm. and, and how uh, how sort of tenderly uh, a lot of these clubs uh, or precariously they sit in terms of uh, their financial income that kind of thing um, yeah look I, I think I think the Premiership have tried to hold on to the idea that they could conclude the season at some point um, here in England. Um, I think with, with Saracens, who are you know recent champions after their salary breach, it's been a bit of a bizarre season anyway. They've been docked 70 points, so they were due to be relegated anyway. But some clubs have played them and others haven't. And they would have been competing in some of those games before they were exposed and they weren't after. So it's it's a bit of a kind of, you know, Curious season in, in in the sort of English club rugby scene in in in, in that regard, um, and yeah, internationally, look, we just we hope that uh, that all of the authorities that are telling us a couple of months, um, and and hopefully we'll get through this, means that we can have some form of summer, start to bring a few things back into the calendar, and and then you know see things like our traditional winter sports of football and rugby resuming in September. But it, it does feel very curious to be saying that, you know, what are we, a few days from the start of April? And, and you realise how much planning and diarising goes into these things for, for fans and for the people who are in charge of these things. Because even, you know, even if we're all out of lockdown and, and we're starting to get on top of this situation by, I don't know, end of May, beginning of June, um, there probably isn't then time to actually fill the calendar with sport anyway. So they're probably going to need those those three, two or three or four months to, to actually get things in place. So I think we're going to have to get, get used to not having sport for the foreseeable. Yeah, just two final ones from me, Nick. The Saracens, they're not likely to gain a reprieve out of this situation, are they, in your opinion? And secondly, the Six Nations, are you expecting that to get concluded in October? Yes, I am. Yeah, um, the, there seem to be, uh, you know, motions in place to, to that effect um, with regards to Six Nations. So I, I think they will do what they can with that. It happened with foot and mouth, um, you know, many years ago. So I, I think that's the plan. Certainly, I've been told that, that a couple of games that, that we didn't get to conclude should be being diarised fairly soon. Um, but uh, but yeah, as for as for Saracens, I do think they'll go down. I think, you know, everyone knew that they, they would be relegated for what will Know, be the 2020 into 21 season next. Um, so yeah, I, I don't think we, we'll see them in the Premiership. But I think we've uh, we've heard in the last day or two. I think keeping in touch with my my other colleagues in rugby that believe Napoli is committed to Saracens in the Championship last uh, next season. So uh, God help anyone trying to tackle him. In that <laughs> <thing>. <laughs> uh, Nick, worry not. Unforeseen. All of us rugby fans looking forward to the return of the uh, of the game when and uh, possible. But of course, uh, if it doesn't, it worries not because we are in the presence of a, a, a viral influencer at the moment so the, the, the future is very rosy for you uh, well look it's a bit of a responsibility to have um, but uh, look, the, the, the nice side of it has been actually you know you do it for a bit of a laugh but during these times getting 
the amount of messages I've had um, from key workers, people on the front line medically, uh, people who are worried about loved ones that they can't get to, this sort of thing. Um, I'm getting messages, you know, people saying I've, I've had one of the toughest days in a long time, but but I barely laughed at the end of it yeah, thanks, yeah. To, thanks to these silly videos. So it's it's an, a it's a humbling gift to be giving people, um, and uh, yeah, it's uh, it's a very silly character, but if it if it works for people and it's entertaining them, then uh, then I guess there's a sense of duty to to keep doing it for a little while. So. Uh, so I'll, I'll do my best. Well, Nick, with people struggling the world over at the moment, uh, people being isolated, people uh, indoors, you are bringing a lot of mirth, a lot of fun to a lot of people, even out here in the UAE. So thank you so much indeed for doing it. Long may that continue. With your permission, we're going to play out with uh, regional qualifiers for market bartering. I'm just wondering as well, given the fact that some uh, great commentators' commentary notes are selling at auction for tens of thousands of pounds, uh, <laughs> is the regional qualifiers for market bartering commentary notes up for grabs? <laughs> Uh, yeah, maybe I need to actually create them, but sure. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> Good on you, Nick. Really appreciate it. Stay safe, stay home, and we'll speak soon. All the best, guys. Have a nice day. Cheers, Nick. Huge thanks to Nick Heath joining us live on the line. He's the man responsible for Regional this. Regional qualifiers for market bartering here in Tooting Market. A Hansa Shah here in the blue headscarf uh, and uh, beige coat. She's regular in these parts. Classic technique of hanging behind a keener shopper here. She's already told the trader she's willing to walk away, and it looks like she might have got what she wants. Oh, she's even taken the shopping of the woman next to her. Well, that's the pro. That's what we're used to seeing. Her price is final. It's a few chilli peppers and some tomatoes. The order we've come to know and love. Top job. This is The Grill, your weekend home for all things sports. Live from Barasti. On Dubai I 103.8. Quick reminder that we will be celebrating Earth Hour in just under two hours' time. 8.30 this evening, the lights go out. Uh, the music goes up, though, as we celebrate our place on Earth, as we remember our responsibilities with regards to sustainability. Uh, and we come together, albeit in a Rather different way this year. A bit of social and physical distancing, but Earth Hour continues. Uh, Dubai I won a 3.8 and the Arabian Radio Network doing their bit from 8.30 this evening. The Grill has all the sport you need right now. On Dubai I 103.8. We ain't at Barasti, but we're in a partnership with our friends at Barasti. We're asking you to get involved as well. Text us your thoughts by uh, texting them through to 4001. Have your say online at Dubai I 103.8FM. Uh, this time last week, we were sat around this uh, desk uh, down here at Dubai I HQ. We were talking about a number of the events that have been postponed, those that have been cancelled as well. There was one, though, that was still shining, still hanging on by its fingertips uh, to hold to, to, to uh, hoping uh, that it could uh, be staged this year. I, of course, reference the Olympics. Uh, that, however, in the last seven days has gone by the way that many others have as well, which has prompted a number of influential voices to have their say. We're going to be hearing from one of the most influential in just a few minutes' time. Emma Dodger will be joining us live from the UK. But before that, a little less influential, Lord Coe. Oh, it, it's by a distance the right decision. Look, you know, you can't even sit and listen to your program for more than 15 minutes to know that the world is in a really difficult, dangerous situation. Sport can be no different. Um, and the decision the IOC took today, together with Tokyo, was absolutely the right decision. We wrote to the International Olympic Committee on Sunday after. I'd met with all my continental presidents, I'd spoken to my council, I'd spoken at length to the athletes. And it was really the athletes for us that made this decision the right decision. You know, if you are fighting to preserve the integrity of competition, which is really an Olympic value, uh, then to have athletes that are simply uh, locked in their houses, not able to train, not able to use public facilities, and that's, in, and that's for some of them that are in better situations than others, then clearly the integrity of the competition was going to disappear. And and also, you know, we needed to give the athletes absolute certainty that they weren't going to be forced into either breaking uh, government uh, edicts or public health authority edicts and, and taking on training programmes that would have been dangerous to themselves. The thoughts of Lord Coe uh, with regards to the postponement uh, of 
the Olympic Games 2020. Apparently, it's going to, still going to be called the Olympics 2020. Is it really? In 2021. I wasn't aware of that, Tom. So that's news to me. Let's bring, uh, well, a former colleague of ours. It's former gaffer. It's Emma Dodds, who joins us live on the line for the UK because, well, she was going to be a vital cog of what was going on over in Tokyo this coming summer. Of course, news editor. She always goes over there, works with the IOC. Delighted to say that Emma joins us live on the line from the UK. And we say a very good evening to you, Emma. A very good evening to you. It's lovely to talk to you and be back on the show. It's nice to have you back as well. I must say, that's the two Scots talking once again, so we've got Robbie and Tom here to translate <laughs> oi, for oi, us, oi, Emma. Oi, 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 oi. <laughs> oh, sorry, Tom, I forget you are an honorary Posh Scot. Yeah. Getting a bit it, left out here. It's Robbie Greenfield is the one left out. But Emma, listen, let's get to this. No real surprise <laughs> that the Olympics has been postponed for 12 months. You were, of course, going to be a part of it. I mean, what has been the kind of communication? What has been said to you in the past seven days that means it's all systems go in 12 months' time. Yeah, that's right. It's no it's no surprise at all that it's been postponed. And I think, that, like, like Tom said in the build-up to this, they were hanging on, weren't they, to try and, and keep it going as long as possible. But I think just the, the, the pressure that came for, from other areas, whether that be commercial and also sporting governing bodies, meant that they had to make a decision. They had initially said they would give themselves a deadline of four weeks to consider delaying the Games. That then was accelerated massively and and this decision was made within a couple of days from first saying that. But I think, you know, for, from the point of view, it is definitely postponed. It's not cancelled. And I think the way they're looking at it is it will be scheduled. Because you, don't forget, there's a lot on next mm. summer. The, the European Championships obviously were delayed a number of weeks ago until next summer. The, you've had the ladies European Championships as well when we're talking about football they're taking place next summer so there can't be a clash because some of those teams will need to play in the Olympics as well so I think they're currently trying to find a window within the summer period that they will be able to schedule it probably after the Euros is the way yeah. that, that I've heard it's going to unfold but as you know fitting that into what is the sporting calendar when you, you bring in all the other sports that are also in the Olympics to have their regular season taking place as well. It's no easy feat, but yeah, it's definitely going to be taking place. And uh, and Tokyo's got, got an extra few months, haven't they, to get the city ready for what will be a fantastic celebration of sport when it finally does happen. What's your thoughts, Emma, on exactly when it will happen? Because Tom, Thomas Back, I know a couple of days ago on the 25th of March, he said, he's of course the president of the IOC, he said it's a very complicated jigsaw puzzle and at this point all possible dates are on the table, not just the summer of 2021. So if you were a betting person, what would you say? I think, well, that was another thing. We thought perhaps it could shift to the end of this year, coming in at around November or December. But the more correspondence that I've had from uh, from the IOC and from uh, Madrid, where the Olympic Broadcasting Service is based, is I think it will be next summer. Uh, they're looking at July, they're looking at August as yeah. two possible dates that I think seem to be being favoured at the moment. Similar climate, similar setup to what would be in place this year. It's just simply a case of shifting it a year. I think that logistically is easier than trying to schedule it in, in a November or December, where, as I say, I mean, obviously taking into account this year that a lot of sports haven't really managed to get underway so far in the calendar year of 2020. So if, you know, as we're hearing, most things have been postponed in inverted commas rather than cancelled, they are then going to try and fit them into a calendar that's now gone from 12 months down to eight months, which potentially could be six months. So I think it's far more realistic to think that the Olympics will take place at a similar calendar time in 2021 than it would have done this year, rather than it being delayed later on in the year, purely to accommodate it into the domestic calendars yeah. of all the sports that currently take place. And Emma, how will this affect the athletes that ultimately end up qualifying for the Olympic Games? Will it be as is? Will it be frozen? Because, of course, a lot of these athletes at the moment are rapidly losing their fitness levels. They have an uncertain future as to when they're going to be able to resume training. I know that it's a long way in advance and we're talking about a one-year postponement, but how will the teams be affected? Will the teams that would have appeared in the summer of 2020 be the same teams that would appear in 2021? That's what I've been told and that's what I believe has been corresponded yeah. to, to the athletes. I believe that if you have already qualified to, to take part in the 2020 Olympics, your place is safe for 2021. Ma maintaining your fitness and form is a totally different matter, mm. but you will have a place in the Olympics. Those who haven't qualified for the Olympics yet. And I believe it's about 56 to 60 percent of athletes have qualified. So the remaining percentage of athletes that haven't qualified, that 
qualification process will obviously be shifted because you can't physically do it now because of the lockdowns in pretty much every country that there is. So that process will then be open. So, you know, that potentially opens up the door to, to athletes who weren't in the best form at the moment. You know, it, yeah. does, it, it shifts the balance slightly if you haven't qualified. But as far as I'm aware, if you've qualified already, your place in the Olympics will be safe. But, you know, there's a number of questions around it, though, isn't there? Like, you know, we, we've seen Gatlin come out saying that at 39, he's still confident of winning gold. If you're potentially going into your last Olympics, you know, or you have other things planned in your, whether that would be a change of career, whether it might be starting a family. There's a lot of things that come into it. You're now having to shift that 12 months. And as you know, maintaining your top form as an athlete is not that easy. It's going to be really interesting to look at the dynamics, even of the athletes who've qualified, how things play out, you know, in 12 months after what was originally scheduled. You're absolutely right, Emma. A lot of these athletes have been performing and working hard, both mentally, physically, to peak this year, not in 2021, in 2020. We're going to be on the phone to James Ellington, a man who's got hopes of representing Britain in the 100 metres in about 45 minutes. It'll be interesting to get his thoughts on that. I want to talk about the day job as well, Emma, because, of course... You are a reporter for BT Sport over there in the UK. Football is your first love. Football has been decimated, as has all sports, by the ongoing coronavirus crisis. From a footballing standpoint in our beloved Scotland, what's going on? Yeah, it's really, really strange. I mean, I know it's similar across the globe at the moment because the streets are deserted. Everybody's trying to stay at home in order to contain this. And as you mentioned, that has meant that there's absolutely no live sport. It's a very, very bizarre situation because certainly my life revolves around football and rugby, as it were, but all professional games are off. There's there's no recreational games. There's no kids in the park. And as a result, what do we talk about? You know, unfortunately, it's pretty negative, everything that we're talking about, because we're talking about football clubs who are financially starting to struggle, that can't pay their staff, who are having to ask their staff to take 50% pay cuts. And this is across the board. This is not just the players who are earning thousands of pounds a week. This is people who work in the offices who are on, you know, potentially the minimum pay bracket anyway, that they may have to take a 50% pay cut. So we're hearing worrying stories like that. We're also hearing stories that, you know, initially football was due to be coming back early in April. That has since been postponed to April the 30th. But we're now hearing from the governing bodies that is now being revised. It will only resume when it's safe to do so. And therefore... Is it possible, in fact, to, to finish the seasons? This is happening across the world. Seasons are in lockdown. I think over here we've got eight games left to play. The current standings as are, are as is. Um, the SPFL have advanced payments to, to teams in the league. The, the top three have received just under £400,000 in order to try and help them in, in this current period of uncertainty. Others have received less because their positions in the league are actually not sure. They could still move up or mm. down, so would be entitled to more or less um, and so yeah it's just really worrying you know we're not meeting our friends and talking about results we're not talking about performances we get nothing to moan about it's just <laughs> a really really strange existence and yeah I don't know where we go from here because you know some people are saying that the season if it can't be completed should be decided on where current standings are others are saying that absolutely categorically can't happen because the integrity of the game should be in question. The season is based on 39 games. It's not based on what we've already played. Um, And so the more you listen to people, we're hearing from pundits in the media who've all got an opinion, you know, sometimes their club loyalties, who they played for, Mm -hmm. who they support, comes into it. A lot of ex-Man United players are saying that the season should be void down in in England. They don't want Liverpool winning it. You know, it's similar up here. You know, people of a a Rangers uh, mind don't want the league standings to, to... to be the final say in this season because Celtic would then have won nine in a row. Celtic think it should. I just don't envy the people that are having to make the decisions because really it's very, very difficult. And from a broadcasting perspective, we've got nothing to show. <laughs> yeah, it's frustrating. For me, Emma, I get frustrated when I read all these articles, opinion pieces about void in the season because now is not the time. If it comes to a point where it reaches the point of no return and you have to make a definitive decision one way or the, or the other, then you present a case to perhaps void the season. But, but, but because people are publishing articles saying the season should be voided, that can only mean they're publishing it out of self-interest because mm. if, you, if you're protecting the following season that hasn't started yet and you're trying to wash your hands of this current season 
because we've got bigger things to worry about and let's face it, it all pales into insignificance. Well, if the following season is going to be significant, why should this season be the casualty? Uh, Where do you sit on this? Because I think it would just be monstrously unfair for not just Liverpool, but for other teams like Sheffield United, like Wolves, who have had good solid seasons, who may yet do something historic for their own club in this season, for this whole thing to be scrapped after seven months of blood, sweat and tears. Oh, 100%. And it's, it's such a difficult question because, as you say, people who are, are giving their opinion generally have some form of bias for whatever reason that might be, like I said, club loyalties or financially or, or wherever they lie. But they, like you say, a lot of hard work has gone into this season by various clubs. But it, unless it's mathematically possible for the league to have been won, how do you know that this result, as things stand, would have been the end result? And I think that's the other side of the balance. You look at television companies as well. You know, unless the season is completed, do they pay their money? Do they, you know, do, do they then do it on a pro rata basis? Because talking to somebody involved in football in France, the French television channels are very strongly batting towards the fact that the season should be finished under whatever circumstances, closed doors, whatever, because they have paid for X amount of games in their season. And therefore, they don't feel they should be paying clubs the money unless the season has been completed. Flipped out the other way, can... Can teams survive without that television money? Of course they can't, because they've budgeted for it. Yeah. They've bought signings because of it. It's such an interesting question, and I don't envy the people that, that have to, to make the decision, but I can see both sides of the argument. You know, sh- should you be awarded a league title when you haven't played the full league season? You know, it's a difficult question. The good news, I suppose, if there is any good news, Dodsey, is that we've got plenty of time to ponder the answers at the moment, that's for sure. Uh, ordinarily, around about this time of our chat, I'd say, I uh, hope to see you very soon uh, out here in Dubai, but who knows at the moment? How are you staying busy? Are you keeping positive? I am keeping positive, yeah. We're allowed out of the house once per day over here in the UK at the minute. I'm managing to get out and just do some daily exercise. It's, it's pretty much keeping me sane, and... On BT Sport, we are actually managing to, to do one show a week from, from the Scottish office. We're all in our homes. I'm doing FaceTime um, interviews, video interviews with different people, which is a bit bizarre because talking to a football player while sitting on my screen stage <laughs> is not really what I'm used to. It's certainly putting me a little bit out with my comfort zone. But you know what? It breaks the monotony of us talking about the regular football game because there is so much more important than football at the minute. But, you know, I'm grateful to the one show that we are doing a week because it's really tested us, you know, technology-wise and also mentally as far as ideas are concerned. So, you know, I think it's actually brought us closer together almost as as a team because we're interacting on video conferencing calls now from our homes and, you know, the kids are coming in and the dogs are getting shown on the videos. (laughs) We've got a lot more in in our meetings than we normally would have, but we're staying positive and, just hoping really everyone can stay safe and adhere to, to the messages that we're being told because at the end of the day, you know, Bill Shankly wasn't right when he said that football was worth more than life or death. You know, it isn't. It's just a game. It is our livelihood. So from that perspective, it's difficult because, you know, everyone is being impacted as far as earning and, you know, there are people far worse off than me out there. But, you know, we're staying positive and just trying to hope we all get through it safely and that we'll all be here when football and the Olympics and the golf and the rugby <laughs> and the Formula One all restart. We can't wait. It's <laughs> Masters. That's hot. That's well, breaking my heart, Emma. It's the Masters. The Masters. Oh, oh. man. I, to you. I hear you. I hear you. I'm just re-watching old... old uh, old Masters episodes from the past. We are Thank all... goodness for television. That is, the, that is the one sort of bonus to this. We are all going to be absolutely unbeatable in the sports round, <laughs> in the quizzes, as soon as we come out of this, aren't we? We are going to be unbeatable. Listen, Dodds, we've run out of time on this occasion. Uh, lovely to speak to you. We'll do it again very soon as well. Thanks so much indeed for all your insight as well. Stay safe. Thanks, guys. Stay safe. Emma joining us live from Bonnie, Scotland, this evening, live from the United Kingdom, uh, bringing us all the latest from the world of sport. You're listening to The Grill on Dubai I 103.8. So let's do our bit at 8.30 this evening. We're going to turn the lights off. We're going to turn the music up. We're just going to... We're, we're just going to have a moment.
Me, Robbie, and Chris, we're going to have a moment. We're going to have an earth moment. We're probably going to burst into tears. We're going to burst into tears, and we are going to have a moment. Uh, In the meantime, though, uh, competition, if I can, because there I was trying to work out what on earth we're going to talk about, apart from all the things that have uh, been cancelled, postponed, or otherwise. So I thought, what about a little uh, sort of trip down memory lane? Uh, What about a on this day in sporting history? So I've got a couple of clips for you both, fellas, all right? Um, They are fairly self-explanatory, but these are events that took place uh, on this day in sport in years gone by. I'm going to play them for you, uh, and then I'm going to ask you, please, to explain their significance. Uh, 20, uh, let's start with uh, this one. Okay, I am going to give this one to you, Chris McCarty. The first on this day is this one. Why is it significant? I'll do everything I can to make up for my mistake and the damage it's caused. If any good can come of this, if it can be a lesson to others, then I hope I can be a force for change. I know I'll regret this for the rest of my life. I'm absolutely gutted. I hope in time I can earn back respect and forgiveness. Point for the year, point for the context. Oh, I know. It's uh, Steve Smith, yeah. former Australia cricket captain, and it was, of course, Sandpaper Gate. That was him stepping down, or at least issuing a public uh, apology. That was after Cricket Australia took him to task. Him and David Warner, Cameron Bancroft, banned for a year, and as he said there, I hope that I can make it up to you all. And he did just Don't that. worry, water under the bridge, Steve. We've all forgotten about that. <laughs> We've all forgotten that now, haven't we? He came back and then, of course, produced that quite sensational performance in the Ashes, but yeah, is that a year today? 2018, no. I think. 18. Oh, two years. Yeah, I was going to say cheaper. Yeah, because he did the year ban, right? That's right. Oh, yeah, that makes yeah. sense. Did course. the year ban. Obviously, he's come two back years. and redeemed himself in uh, to a certain degree, well, to a large degree uh, ever since then. So, yeah, that was uh, today was the day that he was and officially that, sanctioned. Isn't that just proof that as much of a hoo ha surrounding it at the time that there will always be the next controversy that yes. comes along yeah. and it will be you know what Steve no point crying over spilt milk I mean it's an emotional moment at the time <laughs> he would have been so, I can imagine he, he actually came here didn't he, yeah. he did. for a few days to yeah, lie yeah. low with his dad and I would imagine he would have been absolutely in the emotional locker for quite some time he just had the misfortune to, to bump into Mark Archer in the, in the he exit did not. departures oh, lounge didn't bless him <laughs> just when you're at your lowest point it gets even lower <laughs> you've got a Kiwi's bounding award here Steve <laughs> Right, Robbie Greenfield. Oh, uh, no. Chris has set the mark again. Uh, oh, I need a year no. and I need context. It's fairly oh, no. self-explanatory, but okay. tell us why I am playing this one on this day in history. The wait is over for Fred Funk, a champion, right here where he lives. Yeah, this is this is the strongest field I can't believe I won this thing I'm overwhelmed I just can't believe it I really never thought it was going in until it disappeared March the 28th what year and why oh, is that's that that's a toughie you get Steve Smith from two years ago <laughs> I get Fred Funk alright hang on okay well let me think about this because the Players' Championship, I'm pretty sure that's the event he's talking about. Strongest Ching-ching. field. Uh, it wasn't a major. don't think Fred Funk ever won a major. He <laughs> won the Players' Championship and he won it back in... Oof, this is tough. Uh, I will say... Uh, Just got nine o'clock, Rob. I will say... Oh, dear, dear. <laughs> yeah. 2005. Hundred percent. Look well, at that. Are you kidding? It. No. Oh wow. Players Championship 2005. Was and why was guess. it a surprise? Uh, it was a surprise because I think he was about fifty at the time. <laughs> <laughs> Age uh, is but t- a number. 2005 was, of course, the year that Tiger um, had another very strong. Tiger had been in the doldrums um, for a couple of years, and 2005 was. A, the, a few weeks after Fred Funk won the Players' Championship, it was the great duel at Augusta National between Chris DiMarco and Tiger Woods. Tiger hit the shot heard around the world, the chip from the back of 16, and then he would go on to win the Open Championship that summer as well. So it was the second phase of Tiger Woods' prominence and an old 
duffer like Fred Funnett. <laughs> he's not a duffer. He's a very good player. But I think, he, I think he was 49 or 50 years of age at the time. Uh, as to what you're probably going to tell me another reason why it was significant. No, that's it. That's exactly it. I think he was uh, yeah, one of the least most fancy players in the field. Yeah. And what was a very, it's very strong tough. field. I think it was even more of a fairy tale because it was his home course. It was his hometown. He grew up uh, in and around that area as well. And had always been that sort of jobbing golfer and then did the business in Brilliant. 2005. Yeah, so you've both come out with 100 points we've got a couple more to look forward to over the next few hours as well uh, so stay tuned for more of those uh, coming up in a few moments time who are we talking to next I'm completely we're talking now. to Tam Khan oh, he is right. of course Blimey. UFC MMA expert he's the founder of TK <laughs> MMA time, Fitness <laughs> and uh, we're going to hear from Dana White first and foremost because Dana White is going against the entire world right now in his determination to stage UFC 249 on April the 18th when the world is in lockdown Dana White is show is keeping on the road and we're going to get Tam Can's thoughts on that as well as recently in the last couple of days John Jones arguably the greatest practitioner of MMA in history has been arrested yet yeah. again I want to get Tam's thoughts on that as well all those thoughts coming your way in a few moments time 4001 if you want to have your say listening to Dubai I want a 3.8 you are listening to The Grill sprinkled with of course uh, all your latest news in the continued fight against COVID-19 there's just so much more to hear. Download our podcasts at DubaiEye1038.com.